if your dick is big or your dick is tiny. It don't matter if your wig's on straight, if you show up early and your body too late. All right, welcome back to another meeting of the Order of the Straight Arrow. You have myself, Troop Scout Leader Lays with Beave, across from me. This is the Troop's Historian, Smoking Dart. And in between the two wall boys, you have myself, I'm Miles, a.k.a. Chief. Runs with bins. Thanks for joining me in the new and improved clubhouse. Finally improved. Finally improved. It is it nice. It feels good, better than ever, and it feels so much like a clubhouse. It feels so good. It feels so good. We should definitely share some photos of this before the episode comes out. So you can refer to our Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good, uh, good idea, historian. Um, so to kick this meeting off like we do the rest, we will hit it with the straight arrow oath. So for those of you in scout uniform, three-finger salute. Those listening at home in civilian clothes, hand over your heart and repeat after the historian. A straight arrow tells the truth. A straight arrow loves nature. A straight arrow never looks directly into the sun. And a straight arrow is always against Bill H.R. 57, which would allow the importation of South American propane. Can I get a round table, Wima Tanya? Wima Tanya! Like christening a boat, I just sprayed my new microphone with beer for the first time. <laughs> oh, she's going to have fun. Oh, it feels good, guys. So now that we've uh, this meeting has begun, uh, we'd like to in- inject a, a new segment into the beginning of our episodes where we get a chance to interact with our community and give some listener feedback. Because, uh, as you know, we're not perfect. Uh, we have had some mistakes we've made in the past, things that we may have misquoted or misunderstood or maybe even overlooked. And we want to shout out some of our listeners who have been paying so close attention. First of all, most recently, uh, we'd like to touch on Hector's disease in the last episode, uh, Junkie Business, called Priapism, uh, which actually is a thing. We brushed it off. <laughs> I'm, like, really glad that somebody pointed this out, because I just didn't even, like, I heard yuppie flu. I... This one's real. <laughs> it's, uh, it's when you have a long-standing and very painful erection, so it would make sense why Hector would need a roomier workspace <laughs> and a view of Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> We had quite a few people reach out and tell us this one, and this is the one where it's like, fuck, I wish we found that one because yeah. it, it's hilarious. So um, if we didn't respond to you on social media or email or whichever way you got in contact with us, this is uh, the segment is what, uh, what it's all about. Yeah, so we want to encourage listener feedback of any kind. Uh, so if you got corrections, we'd love to hear them. If you got things we overlooked. Yeah, yeah, anything. Um, or like... I. Kind of thinking I want to toy with the idea later in this episode to ask a question, and I really want somebody to, to straighten out some misunderstandings that I have. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. And another one from our Junkie Business episode, we were trying to remember the, the, the name of the guy with the shiny belt buckle. From uh, way back in Luan Saga, right? Yes, that is true. It's the guy at the bar, and thanks to our friend Dylan for pointing out that his, fact, his name, in fact, is oh, Wade. Dylan? Yeah. The Dylan, one and only. The one yeah. and only Dylan. I remember Dylan. Mm-hmm. So thanks again for uh, reaching out to us and letting us know uh, what we may have missed. And uh, look forward to your comments being included on future episodes. There's going to be a lot more corrections corrections need to be done. Um, So with that, let's move on and get right into this episode with the episode info. 
This episode is entitled Life in the Fast Lane, Bobby's Saga. This is episode 21 of season 2, originally aired on May 5th, 1998. Um, the synopsis for this is that Bobby gets his first job and Boomhauer competes in a car race. The uh, writer for this one is John Altschuler. He's a really good friend of Mike Judge, it seems. At least they work well together. He's worked with him on seemingly all of his projects. Be Beavis and Butthead, King of the Hill, The Good Family. He was executive producer on Silicon Valley and on Extract, the movie. Mm -hmm. So he just seems to be one of... I mean, this isn't the first time we've seen him. Mm -hmm. This is his second of nine total writing credits for King of the Hill. Yep. His first one was Kondo. Kondo. And, uh, yeah... Um, Not a whole lot of uh, um, parallels with this episode, uh, as the condo is more of a family-oriented one, and this one's mostly about Bobby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I like that uh, <laughs> I like that he can do that and just kind of pull from different aspects of the show. I like how Mike Judge keeps his people with him. Like always he always uses the same actors, the same voice actors, the same mm -hmm. writers, producers. Like he finds the people he likes that know the what they're doing. People who share his vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love people that. Who get it, and that's what a good leader does. And John Altshuler, um, it seems like he's well known to be part of a writing duo himself with uh, Dave Krinsky. Uh, Dave Krinsky, we who also wrote Three Days of the Condo with him. Um, he is credited f for this episode as well. But not like, I don't know. It's when I looked on the IMDb, it just said John Altshuler. Yeah, but if you look on Dave Krinsky's, he is yeah. credited for this one also. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe Dave Krinsky was sort of like a, like a silent writing partner to start until later, maybe because it looks like he's in the same, all the same, episodes. That makes sense. Directed by. Back to the director is Adam Coleman. Uh, this is his fourth of eighteen. Mm -hmm. um, we seen him on Hanks Unmentionable, How to Fire a Rifle, Snow Job. Okay, How to Fire a Rifle. I, he, I I like just kind of looking back at what they've done in the past and how they relate to ones that they've done in the future, and that's a Bobby Hank episode. Yeah, I mean, even Snow Job has a bit of Hank wanting to take Bobby to work. <laughs> a little <laughs> yeah. bit, anyway. And I guess this one is isn't really Bobby and Hank. It's like, yeah, the main. Ah, uh, we'll get into that. We'll get. Into yeah, that. <laughs> and but yeah, so his. I mean, other than King of the Hill, Coleman. He's his resume is huge and all over the place, and he has animation department credits for everything from He-Man: The Masters of the Universe to The Simpsons, like everything. But his only ever director credit is from King of the Hill, and where he directed eighteen episodes. So was there a, a director's uh, intro from Adam on this one? Yes, there was. Um, pretty exciting because we've been a long streak without him, really. Yeah. Uh, the last, they fell off. I believe, the last three of this uh, season will have them. Uh, this one is <laughs> made me laugh really hard. I kind of want just the gif of it. <laughs> if anybody oh, knows no. how to do that, <laughs> um, but it's just like an animatic of Bobby eating the burrito from behind. <laughs> oh, I'm like hunched over on the stoop, and he's like looking back and forth. And uh, then it cuts to his face, where his face is just munching back and forth, like mirroring. And then it says, Life in the Fast Lane, Bobby Saga, races across the screen. And then just the audio clip of Hank saying, people are going to think you ain't right. <laughs> um, uh, so that's, yeah, so that's our director's that, intro That's here. a good director's intro. Those two scenes are some of my favorite from the episode. Oh, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It's beauty. <laughs> And 
lucky enough to be greeted with a cold open. We have Boomhauer uh, sitting at a stoplight in his souped-up Dodge Coronet, and next to him is a fellow gearhead ready to take on a street race. And the light turned green, and they both fire off, and this solid tune just rips in the background as Boomhauer pulls ahead, uh, and little does he know that he was racing a state trooper, and the guy throws on his lights and pulls him over. Mm-hmm. And he starts uh, he starts giving Boomhauer shit. He says the reason that he pulls him over is because he beat him, and he wants a rematch. Boomhauer starts revving up his car again. He goes, not here. <laughs> this is a school zone. <laughs> yeah, that's the only reason they can't race again. <laughs> yeah, and the license plate is <laughs> like, that is entrapment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, school zone. And I want you to remember that license plate because it does come up later. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, of course, in theme with every single King of the Hill episode that we've ever seen, in the very first lines, the whole structure of the show gets laid out, and it is uh, in this quote. Whoa, man, you talking about that nice car, man? I've been trying over five years, man, to get on that dang old pace car, man. You going to get me on in down on there? I see I'm talking your language now. <laughs> All he needed to say was like, man, Bobby needs a job. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, you might have noticed uh, the voice of that uh, policeman was Mr. Mike Judge, the one and only. Talking to himself. Yeah, it's funny having a little conversation. (laughs) Going back and forth. If only Hank was there, that would be be pretty solid. But uh, obviously, uh, because of Boomhauer's fine driving, uh, he's going to let him go with a warning. I'm going to let that go. (laughs) He could have been an all right character until he did that. I know, right? And <laughs> yeah, and like such a <laughs> And what I noticed is that like when he walked to the back of the car, he already had his baton out. Like he knew he was gonna hit the light, but he stood there for a minute and like pondered it. Like <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> but uh that brings us to the intro title. Yeah, so we get a shot now the guys are all revved up about Boomhauer potentially getting to race on the same track <laughs> as some of their favorite NASCAR drivers and uh, but <laughs> I like this one because well they're like what are they pouring gas into the carburetor or oh you're trying, <laughs> trying to get to the mix- fuel yeah, mixture yeah, trying to see the mixture yeah. uh, and Bill gets stuck climbing out the window <laughs> yeah he's like look I'm Boomhauer and he tries to pull a Starsky and Hutch and just gets lodged <laughs> yeah Bill you'd be a regular Dale Earnhardt if you could make it all the way around the track without stopping for a ding dong yeah <laughs> but it's here in the episode that we start to first hear their their hatred towards a certain NASCAR driver yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My favorite is like how Bill like talks about Jeff Gordon because he's still wedged in the window and he goes, "Oh, I hate that Jeff Gordon." Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like sounds like some old woman gossiping about someone that like lives down the road. Like, "Ooh, I hate her." Was was Jeff Gordon's daddy like a, a, a race car driver also or something? Like, so like I looked into it and uh, it's his stepdad that was into racing. So his biological dad like. Doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> His name was William Gordon. Uh, and Bill Gordon? Yeah, Bill Gordon, Jeff's dad, Jeff's father. Uh, but he was uh, taken on, I think it was like he was six months old, and then uh, his dad left. And then his mom started dating uh, John Bickford, which basically 
he was Jeff Gordon's father figure, and he got him his first BMX bike, and he started him in, in BMXing, and then he moved on to car racing. Uh, and I don't know, like, if he was the richest man on, you know, earth, but he definitely was a successful I mean, man. He could afford a BMX bike. Exactly, right? Yeah, I looked into that, too, and, like, it wasn't like he, they were, I don't know, they weren't the richest family, yeah. off, but they were very well off, and... Gave Jeff a pretty pretty good life. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I looked at what he did, and I was just like, fuck, lucky you, motherfucker. Like, I mean, I guess at this point, Dale Earnhardt Jr. wasn't really much of a thing, was he? Like, Well, he was he was racing at this point. Because, I mean, if, if I mean, I know that they're, the episode, they're, like, caring about Senior. But, like, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is, like, they could have just as easily replaced Jeff Gordon with uh, talking about, <laughs> ju- like, Junior's daddy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, getting him everywhere. Well, yeah. how I how I see it is probably like it's just because of the time that they grew up in, right? Because I bet you Bobby, if he was in a NASCAR, would now see you know Dale Earnhardt Jr. being like, oh, he's got a rich daddy. Of course, he's good at racing or whatever, right? <laughs> just because of the generation that you grow up with. Yeah, I mean, you that's put, my automatically guess. put on a team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, Honestly, I'm sure if, if Bobby wanted anything to do with NASCAR, he'd want to be the guy who waves the flags. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that that would be his job. <laughs> so. Uh, um, as the guys are wrenching on uh, Boomhauer's car, getting it ready, you can tell how excited they are, which is cool to see. And uh, Bobby comes rushing up at this point, and he has a blank, or he has a check that he's already filled out uh, in Hank's name, and he just needs Hank to sign it. Yeah, it's filled out to the order of the bike barn, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and Hank's just like, "What? You think I'm just gonna sign this? <laughs> I think you have to, or it doesn't work." <laughs> there was a. Whoa, hang on a sec. Did anybody else just put that together that Bobby wants the BMX bike that Jeff Gordon's stepdaddy would have bought him? Like, I kind of, when I was doing the research, I was like, holy shit, that, like, that's a total parallel. I wonder if that's, like... That's a good point, because I was thinking about it, like, what does Bobby... Like, his bike is that old, like, 70s style with the ape hangers and the big Mm -hmm. banana seat, like a cruiser Mm -hmm. bike, and that's all Bobby needs. Like, why does he need a BMX bike? Well, that one can support his weight. (laughs) Well, you think back to the, uh, what was the episode where he thought it was his birthday? Oh, the dryer episode? The dryer, Uh, Hank's Dirty Laundry. Hank's Dirty Laundry. Didn't he want a BMX bike in that episode? Well, he's riding that new bike with the Nerf gun. He did <laughs> want a bike. He definitely did. But he did. did say he only mentioned dirt bikes. That's true. That's but true. But he so is seen in Megalomart riding yeah, it with the Nerf gun. That's true. And it was on sale. Mm-hmm. But Hank, uh, Hank's mate. <laughs> his life. <laughs> I like that, that Hank, Hank is like, do you want to be just like Jeff Gordon when literally Bobby is asking Presenting him a question. Jeff Gordon. <laughs> And uh, so, obviously, Hank's, uh, you know, value of a dollar kind of driving force in this episode is brought to attention uh, when he gives this speech about him and Peggy. Bobby, these checks aren't magic tickets. They represent real money that I, and to a lesser extent your mother, worked real hard to earn. You can ride it whenever you want. (laughs) See, when I first heard that, I thought he said you can write the check, like you can write it whenever you want, but no, he says you can ride his fucking BMX bike whenever he wants. I love that Hank takes the time to just quickly roast Peggy in front of everybody. Like Hank's like trying to explain to Bobby how life, like not everything's handed to you in life and he's going to end up like Jeff Gordon, but Bobby likes Jeff Gordon. He's handsome. Oh, <laughs> Bobby, you joke around like that in public, people are going to think you ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> While Hank is saying, Bobby, people are going to think you're not right, Dale, like, 
buries his face in his hands and yeah, Pilar's ashamed. like his neck and looking around. <laughs> like, I never heard that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just for being good friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, the next scene, we have the whole Hill family in the kitchen, and Peggy kind of continues the conversation off, saying, well, Jeff Gordon is handsome, and he is a champion. But <laughs> It's funny, Luann goes, he's the world's fastest Christian. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that kind of, you know, sets off Luann and Peggy's drive for this episode with their love for Jeff Gordon. And it's, it's weird, I read online, too, that, like, Jeff Gordon wasn't brought up christian like he wasn't in a religious household it wasn't until he was like a like a fully like grown adult where he was actually already his race career had already started and it was just he was going with other senior drivers to sunday mass before their sunday race would start and it was like it would be like at the track like there'd be like a minister there and he just got brought along by some drivers that he looked up to and that's how he found religion man i went to a game at arrowhead in Kansas City, mm-hmm. and it's so, like, far out of the way that, like, there's just, like, a temporary... It, well, it's permanent, but it's, like, a big tarp cathedral thing, and they just, like, hold church there on Sunday morning before the game because, like, <laughs> it's... Fu- you can't get to the game from church in time, but you have to go to church. Just like in the unbearable blindness of laying. Mm-hmm. The, the highway cathedrals. Or what do they call it again? Oh, they're called canvas cathedrals. Right. That was yeah, it. Yeah, but this is... Same, same, but different? Same, same, but different. Yeah. A little bit more respectful? I think it's a little bit less hokey. Got it. This is, like, literally function. Mm-hmm. I think that other one's kind of, like, to rob you. <laughs> yeah. I think this one is just, like, people want to go to church before the, they go to game, but they can't get to make the game if they go to church. That makes sense. So they got to go to church somehow. <laughs> and they can make both. Yeah. Um, I also do want to mention that when she mentions that Jeff Gordon was a great champion, yeah. mm-hmm. he was the 1997 NASCAR Winston Cup Series champion. Uh-huh. Oh, congratulations, the Jeff. The Winston Cup Series, I guess the Winston Cup is, I think I'm going to get into this later, but the Winston Cup is like the main one. Nowadays, I believe it's called the Monster Energy. Boo. You can just like put Rockstar over top of that. Yeah, can we? <laughs> Either way, it's fucking extreme. It's super extreme. <laughs> yeah. With an X. But... Bobby enters the kitchen, and well, Hank orders him in there. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is when he really wants to hit home the literal value of a dollar, because he pulls out a dollar bill out of his wallet, and he explains to Bobby that Buck Strickland didn't start with nothing but a dollar, and now he's the biggest propane tycoon in Texas. It's funny, because Bobby, or sorry, Hank asked Bobby, he goes, how much do you think those short pants you're wearing? Yeah. <laughs> Bobby's like, I don't know, they're pretty nice. $100? Hank's like, hmm, $100 for a pair of cotton short pants. <laughs> and then he asks Bobby what the average salary for an American would be, and he just goes on to say that Jim Carrey makes $20 million a movie. I'd like to point out that Jim Carrey is a Canadian at this point. <laughs> it's not an American salary. Yeah, and his so Jim Carrey's last two movies leading up to when this episode would have aired, it was the 1996 Cable Guy and 1997 was Liar Liar. And he did, in fact, make $20 million for each one of those movies. So Bobby's been reading, like, I don't know, Entertainment Weekly or something and paying attention to it. But Even the Cable Guy, hey? Even the Cable Guy. And uh, it's actually, Cable Guy's a great movie. But I would have guessed, like, low mills, like single-digit mills. I did think it was I – did, I did sort of think it was a lower-budget movie. But. Yeah, well, okay. And the, like Jim Carrey's top salary movie of all time came from the 2008 film Yes Man, where he uh, 
like he bet on himself. He agreed for no money up front to just take a percentage of how much the movie uh, did at the box office. And he took home a cool $32 million from Yes Man. Was that like, that must have been like right after Bruce Almighty or something. Yeah. In like the he same must have been years, yeah. pretty fucking sure of himself. And I mean, I think you had, uh, you had mentioned this offline before, Historian, how... Uh, yes, man is basically just like liar, liar, inverted. I mean, it really is liar, liar. It's like he has to say yes, and liar, liar, he just can't tell a lie. So, I mean, there's, it's the same fucking premise, basically. Yeah. So, I haven't seen Yes, man. But. but, I mean, if liar, liar was successful, I mean, he could probably bet on himself and, and you know, dazzle America once again. Well, fuck, 32 million for, I don't know, four months of work. <laughs> fucking downright decent. Yeah, no doubt. But uh, before we move away from this scene, I did want to mention the deleted one, uh, or I guess extended, uh, when Hank's given Bobby the dollar, and he goes on to say that not only is Buck the biggest propane tycoon in uh, Texas, he also has the largest collection of ostrich boots in the continental <laughs> United States. <laughs> and Peggy quickly interjects and says, yes, it was amazing what he did with propane, but he inherited that collection. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Peggy. And, uh... Uh, so we come back to a horrifying scene. And um, I just wanted to mention quickly, as um, Hank is approaching the Hill House, you see his truck pull up. But if you look, if you pause on it and you look, it's actually not Hank's truck. It is, in fact, the older, early 1970s uh, green... Ford truck that we uh, that belongs to Dale Gribble, but it's it's that to truck. Dale. Yeah, I think we figured we, out it was. We Dale. see it in the Order of the Straight Arrow yeah, episode. It, it's the first mention. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. first seen in Order of the Straight Arrow, even though Boomhauer was driving it, which was like we kind of screwed us up. But it's it's Dale's truck. So what the truck that Hank pulls up in is that one with the old grill. It has the big antenna sticking off the top of the cab, and it has a toolbox in the back, but it just happens to be red. So it's huh. just uh, yeah. If you pause on that, you so can see. So would it's you a, call that an animation blunder, kind of? I yeah, I guess so. Because there's the next, like, later scenes in the episode, Hank's back to his normal truck mm -hmm. with, like, you know, an extra cab, and it's way more modern, and it's and, smaller. Um, but anyway, he's as he's coming out of whatever color truck that was, <laughs> he's horrified to find uh, Bobby just hunched over on the stoop, eating a burrito with yeah. mess all over his face. He looks ridiculously like Schmeagle. <laughs> yeah, he frustratingly asks him if this is what he decided to spend his dollar on. He's like, no, I also got a quesadilla. <laughs> it's from the value menu. Yeah. I love that scene. It looks like a low-budget, like, zombie movie. Like, Bobby's yeah. feasting yeah. on some corpse. He has, like, burrito all over his and face. And it stays on his face <laughs> yeah. for the whole scene. I love that. I love that Hank's also like he he expected that Bobby would have the know-how and the desire to go out and start a shoe shine yeah. business with that dollar. <laughs> <laughs> so this is it. He needs to get a job. Yeah, it's, well, it's so I was just going to say, it's so funny. Bobby's like, you almost made me drop it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and so Hank decides he's getting a job. Peggy's suggestion was, was that maybe he should go to cooking school instead. I'm listening. Bobby, I know we've never talked about this, but someday I'm going to die. And when that happens... Then you can go to cooking school. It's funny because in the last episode that we covered, which was junkie business, it's the same thing. It's, it's Bobby on his summer vacation. And he's just like, he's forced to go to work 
with his dad because he hires Leon, the drug addict. Mm -hmm. And now we're like, I don't know, a week later or whatever the next episode and Hank's already shoving a new job. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I was wondering about that because they does she say that it's the it's, he's almost his done his summer vacation or he's almost on his summer vacation? Yeah, I think it definitely is still his vacation just because this, this is consecutive days that he's leaving the house to go to this work and and i mean he couldn't have gone to hank's work without missing school because hank doesn't work on weekends so i'm thinking that both these episodes are included in his summer vacation but what i thought was interesting and i kind of i wanted to just mention is that it's such a strange place for a scene to have it on the front porch like just bobby is there eating food and i think the only reason that they did this is to kind of mash two scenes together because they wanted to get bobby peggy and hank all together but they also wanted Hank to have kind of the uh, the cue to get in the car with Dale to go to the track uh, to give Bobby an opportunity at, at a job or see what a real man does. Well, I also think it kind of like makes how animal his eating of the burrito is. Like, <laughs> he can't even bring it inside. He's not even sitting on the couch. He's not even like, you know, like he's just gone to the front stoop and he's like, this is good. <laughs> well, like, Bobby, I think, definitely knew he was in the wrong because when Peggy comes out, she goes, oh, Good job, Hank. All you've done is spoil his appetite for dinner. So, like, you know that, like, dinner was probably cooking. So he's, oh, shit, I don't want my mom to see me wolf <laughs> down. And, like, he got a quesadilla and a burrito for a buck. Like, that's some yeah. damn fine value menu. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's 1998 value menu right there. Hell, yeah. But um, as this scene's ending, Boomhauer shows up in his car. He honks, and uh, the guys are off to the track. Come on, Bobby. You're coming with me to the racetrack. At the track, we see the guys. It's a beautiful sunny day. They're all huddled behind the gold rope, uh, blocking them from the pace car. In the foreground, we see Boomhauer signing up uh, for his race. And Bobby uh, says a very uh, insightful line. The rope is soft and pretty. <laughs> and Hank's just like, look at the pace car, Bobby. He's like, that's what Boomhauer gets to win or gets to drive if he wins his amateur race. He'll be on the same track as Dale Earnhardt. Or as you look at it, Jeff Gordon. <laughs> Jeff Gordon's a race car driver too? I thought he was just a cereal box model. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeff Gordon was a damn fine cereal box model. He was partnered with Kellogg's and he graced the cover of such cereals as Frosted Mini Wheats, Frosted Flakes, Raisin Bran, and special edition Racing Apple Jacks, uh, which featured racing colors which matched uh, the colors of Gordon's car. Uh, for some reason, Dale Earnhardt had... Uh, cornflakes on lockdown okay. <laughs> for some reason yeah yeah, yeah the Dale, healthier cereal. the older man cereal. Yeah. <laughs> the, the less flashy one it's funny because i would expect them both be on wheaties because isn't that where all the champions go i thought it's olympics is wheaties all champions i, I think guess. this is kellogg's like trying to piggyback on wheaties success but of course bobby doesn't notice the pace car i mean it's got no cigarette ads on it <laughs> Yeah, the cigarette ads. I mean, the entire NASCAR at this time had been for years the the Winston's Cup Series, and that's Winston cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess they just replaced it with the uh, Manitoba 100s, you know. Yeah. The unofficial cigarette of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, of course. <laughs> oh, I also want to mention Dale Earnhardt was on Wheaties. Was he? He was. Oh. I'm looking at it right now. Interesting. Right next to a picture here of... Danger Russell Wilson. <laughs> That's just your wallpaper. Oh, yeah. 
But uh, of course, um, because Hank really can't get through to Bobby with the pace car, uh, he remembers why he brought Bobby here, and he sees the drink boy. Hey, I'll take one. Nice hustle, son. I can rest when I'm dead, sir. <laughs> Poor kid. He's already so crushed broken, by the weight of the world. <laughs> He's only so... like 14, maybe. But uh, Hank sees this as an opportunity, if anything, uh, and says, look, Bobby, you can get his job. And, uh, you know, the natural salesman and Tommy says, well, why not today? Yeah. And uh, he Let bre- me out. <laughs> yeah, in other words. <laughs> but they uh, they uh, get together and meet with our favorite character, Jimmy Witchard, of this episode. <laughs> favorite. <laughs> yes, so uh, this is the first appearance of Jimmy Witchard. He's voiced by uh, none other than David Herman. He's surprise, surprise. surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so Jimmy appears in eight episodes in King of the Hill. Um some of them include the substitute Spanish prisoner and Wait, when Cotton... eight episodes? He's in eight episodes. Holy fuck. But I think a lot of them are new episodes. I didn't recognize them, and I don't even know if I've seen them. The two episodes that I recognize that Jimmy uh, stars in, other than this one, is uh, the substitute Spanish prisoner and when Cotton comes marching home. He's a, he's a solid character known not only by his catchphrases... Well, if you work for Jimmy, you're going to work hard. People up there are hot and dry. They want something cold and wet. You do your job, you make money, but you work hard. Because that's the way you work if you want to work for Jimmy. He's also known for his intelligence. (laughs) (laughs) Or lack thereof. People say he fried his brain, stared into the sun. (laughs) (laughs) But but Hank brings Bobby to to Jimmy. And and Tommy says that he wants a job. And Hank takes this spiel uh, and twists it in some way or fashion to say, so that means you're going to teach my son the value of a dollar, right? Uh, and Jimmy starts to sell. So Hank just says, yeah, that's enough. That's good. And then he kind of ships Bobby off with him. Yeah, he uh, hires, hires Bobby and that Tommy kid <laughs> just goes running and hops like a 12-foot chain link fence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jimmy's like, show him the ropes. And then he just takes one side, hands him the tray, and just says, bye. <laughs> My dad says I couldn't quit. <laughs> My dad says I couldn't leave until I found a replacement and then just bails. Yeah, he hops the fence and then he's just like, Good luck, Bobby. You're gonna need it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so that uh, begins Bobby's uh, saga <laughs> with this racetrack. Back at the Hill household, Peggy is just so proud of her little boy with all his new apron on, looking like a cooking school student. A cooking school <laughs> professor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. She needs to get a picture with her fun saver. (gasps) Say cheese. Cheese. Don't smile, son. You're a working man. So then they take the picture, and he's not smiling. There is, like, a running joke throughout this episode because she gives him a fun saver, the Kodak fun saver. That's the name of the disposable cameras. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you kids don't know what those are, they used to sell cameras, like the thing from your phone. (laughs) But you would, like, take pictures of it. And mostly cameras are pretty expensive. So when you go on vacation, you like to bring a, a crappy one that doesn't really matter if you break it. Disposable, one would say. Disposable yeah. camera. Exactly. One, a camera that guarantees the pictures will go nowhere besides some old drawer in a spare <laughs> yeah. room. God, I still have those. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so she's like, there's this running joke throughout the episode in the deleted scenes that revolves around Peggy's obsession of car accidents at at race car events and so like but she keeps thinking about how horrible these 
crashes are. Yeah. But then Bobby needs to take more pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, need... he's going to see it anyways. Yeah, yeah. What a weird kind of counterintuitive passion of Peggy's, you know? She seems to always be the motherly kind of down-to-earth and safety-oriented. and But she's just super into fire and blood. Yeah, I mean, Peggy's a piece of work. They decided to cut most of these jokes. There is, like, probably four or five more um, of these deleted scenes. And, like, all like all the way until the alternate ending, which I'll touch on when we get there. But I think it's probably in the best interest that they did cut these. Yeah. Yeah. In hindsight, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> After the photo shoot in the driveway with the fun saver, it's Bobby's first day. And he starts off, he's all chipper, he's ready, he's, gonna, he's got this new job, he's going to make some money, he's going to be a lot of fun, he's at the racetrack, and he walks out uh, into the bleachers, he adjusts his hat, he nods at one of his co-workers who just fucking is like oh, this down and out, know. he's all sad, he doesn't look, and Bobby's first thing he does is hum a bag of peanuts at some woman's head. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this job is hard. I want to go ahead right now and shout out Charles, who works down at the uh, CenturyLink Field in <laughs> Seattle. This weekend, that man, I was hot and dry, and he kept me with cold and wet beverages. <laughs> and I, I mean, my, my seats were up in Zed. Like, way up there. He had to trek, and he was awesome. I hope you at least told him you want to diet beforehand. <laughs> I made sure he knew that I did not want Bud Light. I wanted Rainier. <laughs> and imagine, like, walking up those... I don't know how many stairs there is, like a fuckload. Bobby's first soda customer is at the very top row, and he's got the whole tray of drinks and peanuts around his neck, and it's the middle of summer, Texas, at a racetrack. Yeah. Like, there's and no it's shade. Bobby. It's Bobby. He's got little yeah. legs and a lot of extra weight. When he, when he gets to the top row, like where the customer is, and he's just like on his hands and knees yeah, crawling. He has to ditch the tray. The tray. Yeah. <laughs> he ditches the tray, and of course, every single drink gets stolen, and... Bobby's on the bill for that because Jimmy's an ass. He's <laughs> a total asshole. He is a dick. But, I mean, at the same time, you can't just, you know, trays show up empty and kid says they're stolen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how much can you trust him? Yeah. There's got to uh, be some repercussions. That's right. And that uh, that little scene takes a while for him to get to the bottom of the top. And when he does get the top and the tray does get stolen, he does see an opportunity to pull out the fun saver. <laughs> Snags a picture of a crash for Peggy. Mm-hmm. I did love that little like that one like stayed in, mm-hmm. uh, especially going to the alt- um, alternate ending. That one yeah. comes in. Uh, that's a perfect scene. It is. So since we're staying on Bobby, uh, we follow him back to Jimmy's office, uh, where uh, Jimmy offers him a hot dog, which is you know pretty nice of Jimmy, until four fifty for a jumbo dog and twenty for a tray of stolen drinks and the twenty eight. You owed me. <laughs> now you owe me. Oh yeah, you owe me fifty-two fifty, Tommy. <laughs> the twenty-eight you owed me from what, Jimmy? Look, <laughs> like he just like suckers Bobby into. He's like, hey, you, you want a hot dog? Bobby's like, sure. He's like, all right. Starts punching into yeah. the calculator, like, <laughs> which he wears around his neck. Yes. I mean, <laughs> that's because he's the boss. He is the boss. <laughs> yeah. that guy. That guy's eating paint chips. <laughs> it's it an outrageous price too for a stadium hot dog in '97. <laughs> Four fifty. Yeah, no doubt. Like yeah. now, that's reasonable. That's almost a steal. That's but, I paid five fifty uh, outside the stadium. Inside <laughs> the stadium, I think it was eleven fifty. I don't yeah, know. I didn't even totally. buy one. It's outrageous. 
there is a deleted scene here when he gets his second tray of drinks and, and trips and falls out the door and smashes it again. Uh, instead of him just laughing at him, kind of like Nelson from The Simpsons, a little bit similar of a laugh, uh, he says, oh, another tray of drinks. And then he says, one times 20 drinks is 20. <laughs> you owe me $20, Tommy. <laughs> Bobby's like, I'm not Tommy, I'm Bobby. And he's like, you making fun of me? <laughs> Trey says Tommy. <laughs> maybe maybe Tommy owed him 28 bucks. I mean, maybe. Oh, he ran like a fucking criminal. <laughs> two hot dogs and a tray of stolen drinks. Uh, but meanwhile, Hank, Dale, and Bill run through some pit crew drills with Boomhauer, hoping to increase their speed. Bill, you clean the windows. Uh, Dale and me will take tire duty. Okay, go. Tire one, check. Tire one, check. Tire two. Time out. Man attached. Man attached. <laughs> There's a deleted scene here, too, where Dale's is like, spit shines the tire and then sprays the tire spray into his mouth and then <laughs> spits it back onto the tire shines <laughs> it. Yeah, and uh, what you may have noticed was the, uh, the song in the background. The song is called Soul City by Southern Culture on the Skids. Uh, this band, they're pretty cool. They, their music is generally very upbeat. They usually write and perform songs about dancing, sex, and fried chicken, which are main <laughs> themes in songs such as Cheap Motels, Soul City, and Eight Piece Box. They are also known for their live shows, which often include throwing fried chicken and banana pudding into the audience. And Yo, what the hell is uh, banana pudding all about? Where can I get some? Sounds, sounds amazing. Pretty good, eh? You never had oh. banana pudding? Is that Southern culture? Because I might need me some of that. No, I've had banana pudding. Like, Where can I get it? Can you get them in snack packs? Know, Barney's banana pudding stand. Wow. So sorry, that was the song that we opened with, That's right? Correct. Right. Okay. That's correct. Yeah, I like that. It's funny. <laughs> I don't know if uh, you guys also got to look at the timer there, Miles. Did you do you know what time? How long it took them to? Change the tires on this car? I believe it was 22 seconds, and I know Boomhauer was very unimpressed as he... Because they weren't even finished yet. They had been done, done like, well, man, man was attached. <laughs> man was attached. I mean, 22 seconds, that's pretty fast, but that ain't fast enough. That ain't fast enough. Uh, Dustin, do you know how long the uh, average pit crew takes in a NASCAR race? For four tires and fuel? For a pit stop, yeah. Four tires and fuel is about 12 to 16 seconds. Uh, and sometimes these pit stops can mean the difference of first or last. That's right. And if you're not first. Insane. What a high-stress job. God, I would hate being a fucking professional <laughs> pit that? crew member. Have you seen it? I think like uh, there's like – I think they're allowed like seven – don't quote me. I think it's like seven stops. people. No, people oh. on – over the over the wall, and so like if you watch it, they all have booms and they're out there wiping the windshield from like ten feet away from the other side of the wall, oh. just to take jobs. So there's like twenty people doing it, but they're but, like, like a bunch of them are off off behind the wall. That's <laughs> chaos, dude. That is chaos. I mean, it's like, impressive. Like, do you want to hear how fast they can go? If they're only doing two tires and fuel, they can do it in five to seven seconds. And then there's this thing called a splash and go that usually happens at like the very end of a race, which is like when you just get a little bit of gas. That is about two to three seconds. You stop, splash, and you go. That's it. You're <laughs> gone. That's it. 
I just remember like when those shows used to exist before the internet took over, like the real TV and all those like highlight like crash shows or like natural disaster shows. Oh, there was always, TV. yeah, there was so many like pit car blunders or like, you know, catching on fire or like literally like, running over like the pit crew members. That's but nuts. I haven't paid attention to that in a long time. I mean, now it's just on YouTube now. I mean, like yeah. how much gas can you really get in two to three seconds? Like I picture like a, a jerry can with like a pressure watcher attached to the end of it and just mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like they like shoot the fuel in. It's it's pretty crazy. I know I've seen that before. Like, there's also another deleted scene I believe right around here where they're discussing their plans for Boomhauer's car to enter the race, mm-hmm. where Bill suggests they take off the antenna and something else. Oh, it'll make it more aerodynamic. Make it more aerodynamic, and <laughs> Hank's like, "Oh, that's a good idea," and then. D- Dale just takes it upon himself and said, take, grabs a hammer and both will smash out the windshield. Says, they should take out a couple pounds. And then a pair of goggles and a scarf can't fix. <laughs> <laughs> and they both just like, yell, no, no, no. <laughs> I think I think I like that one because like later on in the episode when they give him the bucket of sand, mm-hmm. I think this kind of proves how useless. I mean, we all know how useless Dale is, mm-hmm. but like this one really, like, really... Hammers, hammers at home, literally. literally. <laughs> yeah, it's nice when Bill kind of comes out on top of someone for once. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, at least he's not stuck in the window this time. That's true. I mean, he it really ends up being the worst later in this <laughs> yeah, episode. Yeah, he's definitely the downfall of the whole race. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so as the guys practice pit crew duties, we flash back to the track, and uh, Bobby goes into Jimmy's like little trailer office that he's got there behind the track. And I'm just going to interrupt you here. Yep. Because there is something that we need to address. It is the noises they make. Mr. Richard? Oh! Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Those sounds come from Bobby walking in, and uh, Jimmy is wearing a hot dog suit watching TV for some unknown reason. I think it, like, it's probably a good chance that he lives at lives in this office like, more, more often than not. He sleeps in that hot dog suit. Yeah, and he's like, I think I'm ready to go home now, and Jimmy starts crunching the numbers again, and he's so bad at math, even with the calculator. You owed me $68 in trays, and you paid me $72, but you also owed me 40 for a total of you owing me $88,000, $88,800. And 88 cents. I want to point out that he doesn't even say the number properly. He says $88,800. Sweating all day at the track, Bobby is in line to make $4. And then Jimmy throws out, but oh, you also owed me $40. It's like, so he expects Bobby to just pay him the $36 like yeah I worked for you all day here's 36 bucks cash man was dropped on his head oh he <laughs> man stared into the sun Jimmy Jimmy ain't right that Jimmy ain't right that Jimmy Jimmy ain't right at all no, but um as we move on to the next scene it's oh, yeah. it's probably one of my most more like it's my favorite scene mm-hmm. from the episode cause we uh we see Hank waiting in the back porch not even waiting just relaxing enjoying the evening and he has his uh guitar Betsy out it's such a cool scene. I mean, like nothing like unwinding after a hard day's work mm-hmm. with your dog, your guitar, and a couple cold beers. Like, like I thought I it was a nice, like you know how they do the the soundtrack transitions. I thought it was that, but then it continues on, and it's still Hank playing. I love that they have him playing guitar again because, like, 
I mean, that was dangerously close to just not mattering at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good point. Because I know you were worried about that in the beginning, and uh, I, I'm happy for them, uh, for you, <sighs> that they put it in again. But uh, Bobby gets home, and he sits down with Hank. Here, Bob, grab a root beer. Yep. You can say yep, too. You've earned it. <laughs> And like uh, anybody does after a long, hard day of work, uh, once they've cracked that beer, or root beer, he just starts unloading and complaining. It's horrible, Dad. It's hot, and the tray is heavy, and my boss is really mean, and he calls me Tommy, and he watches TV and a hot dog, and I think he might be a moron. (laughs) (laughs) All valid points. Like, all true. All very true. But uh, but Hank, he he takes this as Bobby giving up without even giving it a shot. And I bet you Hank's in vision of what Bobby's doing is, you know, nothing compared to what Hank had to do as a kid. And, and he needs to learn the hard way. So he kind of lays into Bobby kind of harsh. Like, really, it, it kind of hurt me. And I'm not even Hank's son. Babies want everything handed to them. But you're there to work and not play. That's why it's called work and not play. And if you don't understand that, well, son, maybe you're the moron. Yeah, I feel bad for Bobby, but at the same time... I mean, he's true. Work is not play. You do, like, understand where Hank is coming from, and, like, it's not hard for Hank to realize... Hank wanted him to learn something Mm -hmm. from this. So, like, Hank does see that Bobby is probably, like, this is hard work, and that guy's an asshole. Mm -hmm. When, realistically, that guy is an asshole, and he's... It is hard work... But, like, he's making it harder by being an asshole. And an idiot. And, like, Hank doesn't necessarily understand that Bobby hasn't understood a day's work before he can say that his boss is wrong. Yeah, especially, like, the scenes we saw earlier when Bobby doesn't, literally does not understand the value of a dollar. So Hank's going to assume that this boss is actually a decent boss Mm -hmm. and that Bobby's the one who's incorrect, but... Hank's just assuming that, like, oh, he asked you to do something that makes him an idiot. Like, no, that's how bosses work. It's like, oh, you wanted to play Game Boy, but you had to walk up and down stairs all day. I know how much you hate to walk up and down stairs all day. So maybe the guy is a, you think he's an asshole because you had to walk up and down stairs. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess Hank does talk some sense into Bobby because he's just like, oh, so it's like that 110% thing where he's going to go and give it everything he's got. And I love that Bobby brings it up. Yeah. Because, like, he, it's stuck. Like, he gets it. Like, Hank really has taught him something over these episodes. I think that was the first episode, maybe. It was exactly the first episode when he was in the back seat and they were talking about baseball. But it kind of brings it all, not full circle, but it, it, it is a nice callback because Hank has this line. Bobby, if you weren't my son, I'd hug you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get that. <laughs> could Bobby, or could, would Hank hug another man's son? I just think uh, I think Hank feels he can't hug his son because he was never hugged by his father. I guess that makes sense. I, to me, I just imagined like if it was Joseph, Hank would go hug him. Like no, that wouldn't happen either. <laughs> I think he uh, he's comparing it to somebody at work if they made a big sale. You know how he congratulate them. But he really hugged Joe Jack. <laughs> I, mean, I think uh, he was gonna hug Maria. I think a pat on the back is more what Hank was uh, yeah. alluding to. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, he's not going to show affection to his own flesh and blood. Like, my God, he won't even hold hands with Peggy in public. So. <laughs> but, yeah, Bobby does take what his father says to heart. 
and he goes into the racetrack on this next day and he is gonna kill it. Hey, Beerman. No matter the how our clubhouse is set up, you're always the one closest to the fridge. Beerman. Oh, can we take a minute here? Do we want to do an intermission, talk about our beers? We've been asked on Twitter if we could mention the beer we're drinking. Well, I was drinking. Tall can of Phillips Electric Unicorn. This is a white IPA, 6.5% alcohol by volume. Uh, and then I got myself here one of Miles' Phillips Citricity Grapefruit Zest IPA. Hmm. This is 6.2% uh, alcohol. Yeah, it's uh, a local brewery, somewhat local, an hour or so down the road from us. It's a uh, fucking amazing brewery. Our, yeah, our favorite brewery, our good friends at Phillips. As our clubhouse evolved, as our episodes have evolved, our taste in beer is also uh, <laughs> held to a very high standard. These <laughs> <days>. <laughs> well, they, I mean, you know, they keep it fresh. They keep introducing some new ones to us. Oh, they're great. They're cans. Like, I could buy it alone just for the, how cool the cans are. <laughs> oh, yeah, they are. Yeah. And the, the, the Citrus City is an old friend. It was uh, left out of the... The eight pack of tall boys that we've been so accustomed to buying to lately. So uh, they replaced it with something. Solaris. It's the raspberry, I think. Oh, that raspberry's good. Mm -hmm. I do love that raspberry. They're all good. Yeah, oh, no, I can't wait. An empty raspberry <laughs> right here. I mean, they're all good, but I still have like a dozen hop circles in the fridge for the bottom of the hop boxes. <laughs> <laughs> Although there's new artwork on those. Oh, interesting. Yeah, those are some of the the lesser beers, but. Yeah, I pulled the Tiger Shark out of the Octo box, and uh, it is pretty solid. 4.7% Citra Pale Ale. Delicious. That's a good one. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a favorite around this household. It's a staple. Oh, fuck. Smooth as milk. I see, Miles. You, you, just got, you got three Citra Cities there just stashed your... Uh... I know. I'm going to be fucking blitz by the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah. These are strong He's beers. Right, they stay right on them. Strong beer. But, uh, they, taste, they don't taste like it, though. No, they're so damn fine. If you ever visit in Victoria, <laughs> check out Phillips. They got a backyard. I saw De La Soul there one time. It was cool. What? And nothing goes better with beer than NASCAR. Now that my go-to man just went and go-to get me beer, go-to back here. <laughs> Bobby is promoted to the go-to guy when he shows up to work and tells Jimmy Wichard of his new can-do attitude. I'm the boss. <laughs> And uh, his his new position of go-to guy entails... Okay. First, you go to the men's room and mop out the unirals. Then, you go to my cigarettes in my car. Then, go to back here. Can do! <laughs> the unirals. <laughs> yeah. Go to my car, get my smokes, and go to back here. <laughs> I mean, fuck. It's the best. I love it. This is Bobby's new. This is his. This is his new attitude. He's out here. He's working hard, and God damn it, he probably deserves a little bit more respect than he's been getting. Yeah, yeah. He's, he he's got a great attitude on the second day. He really takes you the know, bull by the horns. He does. Horn. Like, and and I. He is, and it's God bless him. It's so early in his working career to like kind of just forget how shitty having a job is, and just like, okay, I have to do this anyway. I'm going to be like the best that I can. Because like I remember like my first jobs, like I was way older than Bobby, and I'd be like, fucking, like, fuck you. <laughs> you know, the, oh. it's the attitude, like just dragging your ass all day. Like I don't want to be here. Yeah, I don't, I don't fucking work for you. So uh, while 
Bobby has been uh, doing his oh. his best at the Arlen Speedway there, uh, slanging drinks and doing anything else, any weird tasks that Jimmy asks of him. The guys are back at Boomhauer's house, and they're loading Boomhauer's car onto a trailer. And it's funny because Hank goes, let's try this again. And there's a deleted scene um, that we see that we see on the DVDs where um, they're all getting ready to push the car, and he... And Hank's like, Dale, you remember you put it in neutral this time? And Dale's like, yeah, sure did. And they go to push the car onto the trailer, and the trailer and Hank's truck start moving down the driveway. And <laughs> Hank's just like, damn it, Dale, you put my truck in neutral. <laughs> and Dale's like, uh, no, uh, but you, uh, it was an honest mistake. Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when... Um, when Bobby comes uh, shooting up on his bike there, and he's just like, Dad, 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 your your advice worked. Jimmy promoted me to go-to guy. And Hank, you just see how he's just like brimming with pride and oh, like yeah. excitement for his son. He's like, whoa, guys, did you hear that? Bobby is now the go-to guy. Literally does he know he's Jimmy Witcher's go-to guy. <laughs> go-to smokes and go-to back here. <laughs> go-to the unirals. Yeah. And there, uh, there's also another deleted scene tag. Mop out the unirals. <laughs> Uh, there's another deleted scene tagged on here, which, uh, which, Richard, <laughs> where Bobby's asking Hank for more advice, and he's just like, "Oh, let me think of one that my dad told me," and then he goes to speak, and he's like, "Wait, let me find a clean one." Yeah, <laughs> and then he uh, he gives him the advice of find the job nobody wants and do it better, <laughs> and then so like as he's leaving, Bobby's just like. Do it better. And he keeps repeating it to himself. And then Bill shouts out, It worked for me. (laughs) (laughs) Find what your niche is. That leads to riches. (laughs) So uh, that that is a nice quick scene. Uh, But then we're back to the Arlen Speedway for the Arlen 100. Welcome to the Amateur Classic 100. So... We're back at the track, and this whole episode has revolved around NASCAR, but we really haven't talked much about NASCAR. I think now may just be the time. Yeah. I've always been curious because the only – for some reason, when I was younger, NASCAR was kind of like daytime TV. Like it was on when you're just like home in like the summertime and there's nothing else on TV. Like especially like back what the cable packages were in this era. I always found myself watching NASCAR when I was a kid and I'm loving it. And being my dad always being like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you spending your days watching NASCAR? You were watching it? Yeah, I would. But like just because I had like my toy like cars and trucks and it would just be like background noise sort of thing. But I actually – Yeah. Cars go fast. But I've never actually – I don't know anything about it. So, well, I mean, my earliest uh, memories of NASCAR is Sunday afternoons, like sleepovers at my friend's house. We'd wake up, and then we would go downstairs into the, like, auxiliary TV where we could play Mega Man X on Super Nintendo. (laughs) And then we would be kicked off as soon as the race started, and then we had to go play outside. And I'm like, but I want to play Mega Man, and Dad's got to watch NASCAR. I'm like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Why do they just go left? Yeah, so do you know what NASCAR actually stands for? Uh, Not as slow cars always racing. Uh, I mean, that's just a good description of what they do. Miles, you want to take a stab at it? Uh, no. Because I know what it is and I can't remember and I'm going to butcher it if the I try to. The National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing. That makes sense. It does. That makes sense. Yeah. It's fun how it has car at the end. It and it's is. about and cars. 
I mean, like, I, I think to say, like, car auto racing is a little... It, they made it. To they found <laughs> <laughs> it. was like, you might as well say shoehorn. Like. <laughs> but no, yeah, NASCAR was founded on Daytona Beach in 1948. After over a decade of racers meeting on the sands of Daytona Beach to race their cars that they'd souped up for bootlegging. And at the time, Daytona was also, like, the place to attempt to beat the world land speed record. So just... Racers from all over were meeting down here. And this is after bootleggers were. They started up, like, the Carolinas uh, doing racing as bootleggers, but they moved down to... When you say bootleggers, is that like Smokey and the Bandit? Uh, yeah, but, like, 100 years earlier, probably. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, probably was 70 years earlier. But, yeah, then they... So that was just kind of like how NASCAR started. It's 71 years old, and the offices are still in Daytona Beach, Florida. I mean, I like sports. I'm a... Sports fan? Go fish. <laughs> yeah, they're a sports fan. Go fish. Um, I like... So I was, like, try, trying to look it up to see, like, how... Di- what What's really different, I think, about the sports I watch anyway, is that the Daytona 500 is, besides Talladega, and I can probably only name Talladega because of Will Ferrell, uh, besides da- that, Daytona 500 is the only one I could name. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, like, a big race. Is the 500 because that's how many laps they got to do? It's how many miles they go. Not kilometers. It's miles. Anyway, uh, I had to correct myself. I had to think about it. Um, Yeah, so it's the first one of the year. The biggest race is seemingly like at the beginning of the year. Unlike the Super Bowl is at the very end of the year. Yeah. And but it's not really like it's just like prestigious, I guess. It's it offers the biggest purse. Kind of sets the tone. And I never actually, like, I read a little bit about this. I watched a bunch of YouTube videos, but they're all really, like, assumed I knew what was going on in NASCAR, which I don't. (laughs) So, like, it's hard to explain. And I do want, if any of our listeners, and I'm sure there are a bunch, who are (laughs) fans of NASCAR, want to, like, email us or Twitter uh, me. Give us a rundown. Just let me know what the (laughs) fuck I'm talking about here or what the hell is going on in NASCAR. Somebody Twitter me, quick. (laughs) Just Twitter at me. I, like, I watched the 1998 Daytona 500. Uh, It's on YouTube. I just watched it in preparation for this. There was uh, the Bojangles one, I think, or the Darlington race. I think it might be that same one was like a couple weeks ago. And today, actually right now, started an hour and a half ago is the first race of, uh, I believe the playoffs uh, in Las Vegas. We can throw it on after, Um, but yeah, the, uh, it seems like there, um, it seems like Daytona 500 is kind of the biggest because I think there's 26 races in the regular season. There's one every weekend. And if you win one of these races, I believe then you're put into, uh, you're automatically in the championship series. Mm-hmm. So I think that's how it works anyway. I might be wrong. but It sounds right. But if, I think Daytona 500 is so big because like if you're the first, if it's the first race and you're the first winner, then you're the first one guaranteed in the playoffs. I think so. The sponsorships I think are biggest then because... They know you're going to get them the furthest. Right, because I know there is like the point system too. So I guess winning the race trumps the point system. So there is a point system. And I do not know how many cars compete because I couldn't find this number. But there's, it's they called like the championship 16. I think it's because there's 16 
cars, but there's 26 races, so I don't quite understand it. But yeah, if you so there's every there's the race is divided into stages. So the first stage is like if you're first to tenth at at that end of the first stage, that there's two there's three stages. There's one, two, and early the game, final. mid game, and late game. So if you're in the beginning of the first ten on that final lap of the first stage, you get descending points from ten to one from first to tenth. Mm. So first place gets ten, la- tenth yeah. place gets one. Like in Mario Kart racing, when you you know. Yes, it, almost exactly. Of, yeah. So then you would get those, and then but they're called playoff points, and then something else. I don't know. It's hard to explain. It was I I watched a few videos, and they were, and I guess NASCAR like worked differently back then too. I think this is all a new um Gaia. thing. But anyway, so there's. 36 total races, including all the playoffs. What I really don't understand is, like, the ending, the championship, is if you're... It says there's only four cars that compete in what's called the Homestead Miami Ford EcoBoost 400 championship race. And, like... But I think there's more than four cars that race. But only four can win. I don't get it. (laughs) It It literally makes no sense to me. Like, I just... I. What are you, NASCAR? Yeah. So I like I guess like by that I, I when I was in automotive, I actually like made an effort to be like, oh, I understand cars. I know how cars work. I think cars are cool. And like I can understand, you know, you're buying this carburetor versus this carburetor is going to give you these advantages versus these advantages. This manifold, blah, blah, blah. I, I understand that. So I was like, that's cool. Let's check it out. But then I realized that all their stats are the same. So like their their options really are like they all buy they can have a limit on the parts that they can have. Oh okay. Um and so everybody with a million do- millions of dollars can buy the same fucking car. So and they're all racing just the same car out there with different decals. They're all racing the same. Well, no, there's three different brands of like body shapes and styles. So you can either have the Ford, the Chevy, or the Toyota. And then it's like other than that, yeah, the specs are all the same. But like um. It's it comes down to, they can make like differences in like the like way that they like put air in their tires or like they have like, like the psi. Yeah, they have specific things that like uh, affect the shocks, so that they spring like so they're different on either, depending on the races. Some tracks are like really short race tracks with like sharp turns. Mm-hmm. Some are very long, right? So it's like you want to have different. I remember when I played like NASCAR 09 or something like that with my buddy Jeff. Like, I'm like this you could fine you could like change the the tire tread to be like soft, thick, or yeah. hard, or like and in order of like gripping to the to the racetrack. It was you could have like soft tread or I forgot those games existed. Dude, I've been looking <laughs> them up. Dude, I've backdraft like your so whole screen shakes and you get a boost. It's NASCAR awesome. Heat. I remember that NASCAR <laughs> Heat are the new ones. I think Heat Four is on like PS4, mm-hmm. and I've like I've almost bought it on PS4 like a few times. This week trying to like <laughs> really wanted to get in the seat of an ass car and like really understand what the hell's going on here yeah. it looks fun i do want to try it out i might but anyway um what i was gonna <laughs> say was that i watched a video where the guy was trying to explain to me like all the things that make nascar interesting to watch specifically and i guess i get it it makes it's more like about the team and how they are going to uh prepare the car for each specific track versus like um the driver's perception and like his understanding of like the situation and like you know like because on the longer tracks you need to draft like that's the only way you're gonna get 
is like if you're all in a straight line and then like towards the end of the race, everyone is going to try and find their opportunity to scoot out and like slingshot up ahead. Shake and bake. Shake and bake. <laughs> Magic man. Now you see me? Now you don't. Yeah. So, um, but dumb question. So does it just mean that like a lot of the times, like through the, the first 499 miles, everybody's just in the same order and then it's like the last well, little bit? Well, no, because bit. there's the stages, right? And you still want those uh-huh, points. Oh, okay. So there's the first stage, the second stage, and then the final stage. Um, I, and I think the final stage may be like half the race, but again, I would love it if somebody would just like write me out a few paragraphs <laughs> of why the fuck NASCAR matters to them. <laughs> I always love it like when they start fighting. And it's like these oh, two guys yeah, trying to yeah. beat the piss out of each other, but they have these giant helmets on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're humming their helmets at the other guy's car. Oh, man. And that's another thing. Like, you got to be fit because the power steering in there isn't good. Like, it's like you need to turn at – and it's like – it doesn't look like they're going extremely fast when they're all going that fast, but it is like. It's like that. It's like pod racing. Yeah, like <laughs> it's insane. One slip and you could be, you could be fucked. You'd be crashing into the wall like you're doing. I don't know. I can't remember how fast they go, but it's insanely fast. Two hundred miles per hour or something like that. I think the I think it's two hundred miles plus. Yeah. Which is ridiculous kilometers. It is, yeah, and like it's the most popular racing in the in the United States. And, Makes I mean, sense. they have, like, I don't know, indie cars in the States and shit, too. So, like, and I think that seems pretty cool. NASCAR is cool. And it goes fast. It goes fast. I wish I understood it better, to be completely That's honest okay. with you. But you know what? I feel like I learned a little bit more about NASCAR than I knew but prior. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, like, the, you know, it's the old joke that, like, oh, it's just go left. And, like, I'm not a NASCAR fan, but I can, I can respect the, like, sport of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, my little, very small comparatively, uh, research that I did on NASCAR is, like, why do people really enjoy it? And uh, I heard that, like, a lot of guys will, like, watch from the stands and bring their own radios and, like, tune into the channels that the teams are on so they can, like, listen to what the driver and the the pit crew are kind of, you know, saying to each other, which I feel like really puts you down on the track with them and, like, into the action, so. And if you know the, like, the ins and outs of, like, tire wear or, like, drafting or, like, the temperature of the track actually makes a big difference in their decisions. And, like, the weather and everything. So, like, yeah, if you're into that, like, I could I could see you going down a rabbit hole of it. Because mm-hmm. even Hank mentions that in the episode. He goes, well, the drivers are getting good traction today. There's not going to be a lot of crashes, right? And it just looked like a normal sunny day in Texas. But yeah. I guess it's different. But I like where it came from, like, the, like, those humble beginnings of them racing on the beach where there isn't the million-dollar teams and the million-dollar cars where it's, like, your own ingenuity and, like, what you're actually what, – what you're bringing to the table or to the beach – is like new and innovative right like and you put your own spin on it like i think that's cool like picturing these old 40s roadsters ripping down the sand like that's that's awesome yeah you're right actually i was reading about one of the earlier earliest races one of the earliest formal races i think from nascar and like people just showed up in anything yeah. so like there was guys in trucks there was guys in cars there was guys in like yeah coupes sedans anything and then were a lot of them comedians driving fast trucks <laughs> <laughs> baby it was florida but then um but i guess like it ended up being that like out of all the cars like only six could last 
Because like the sand the would blow up. Because like some of them would be so heavy that they would dig into sand and like it would just break the car and then like only I think only six or something ended up. So they'd be like, okay, well we probably need to find the best car. <laughs> Especially the heat too, right? Coming mm-hmm. off of uh, Florida Beach and I'm assuming it'd be the summertime they're racing, but I don't no, know. No, it's actually February. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right, guys. I'm gonna have to reel us back in here because we do have a time limit. <laughs> All right. I mean, yeah, we gotta watch this race. It's coming on soon. Yeah, no shit. It's a playoff. So, so let's get back to the Ireland one. Playoffs. Let's get back to the Ireland one hundred. Uh, this is Boomhauer's big race. Uh, we have a quick shot of Bobby uh, with Jimmy. Banging down some garbage in the bins. Banging down real good. <laughs> Smash good, Tommy. Yes. Don't be afraid of those bottles. <laughs> Smash them good. They pop good. And, uh, and we have uh, the guys watching Boomhauer race. And uh, he's doing well, but it looks like it's about time for a pit stop. Dale, here's a bucket of sand. Hold it with both hands. Uh, Hank, what am I supposed to do with the sand? It's slipping, Hank. I love that. Dale's job is just to hold the bucket of sand. And it falls immediately. (laughs) Well, at first I was like, maybe they have the sand there to put out like a fire or something. Cigarettes. Yeah, but it's literally just just to keep him busy. But yeah, I mean, unfortunately for Boomhauer, uh, that's not the only dullard that needed to be kept busy. <laughs> well, it's funny, too, because it's Bill's idea. He's like, can we bring him in? Can we bring him in? His windows look pretty <laughs> dirty. And, like, at this point, Boomhauer's in first in the race. Like, he's doing quite well. And then he gets brought in, and... Um, he gets stuck in the fucking truck. Bill... Yeah, yeah, that was his only job was to wash the windows. Like, Hank had to do the suspension, the tire pressure, and the fuel. What the fuck even got on the inside of the window? Like Nothing. It, and, like, you could see him, like, digging at it with his finger. Like, it's a speck of dirt or whatever. And he hops inside the car. And Boomhauer, like, nobody notices because Boomhauer pulls out of the pit area. And Hank goes, like, well, I think we did it, Bill. I think we kept Dale from screwing it up. And he looks around and no one, like, Dale, I guess, ran after he dropped that bucket of sand. Because he, <laughs> he's gone, too. He thinks he failed. So like what he did. <laughs> what I wanted to mention here is that when we see Boomhauer and he, he's on the track and all of a sudden he's looking around, he realizes how slow he's going, and he's getting passed by all these cars, and that's right when he notices uh, Bill is in in the back seat of his car and that extra weight is slowing him down. But if you look closely, one of the cars that passes Boomhauer is none other than the number three NASCAR Dale Earnhardt car. Really? Senior. Yeah. So I can't, I don't know if that was a fuck up or it was just in there as like a joke that Dale Earnhardt. Well, I mean, there's only so many numbers. No, but it's, it's the NASCAR. It's not a, it's Dale Earnhardt's car. Oh, the black number three. The black number three that we see in the episode later racing in the amateur 100. So I don't know if that was just like a stock, like whatever, they just put it in there or they were doing it as a joke that Dale Earnhardt's like crushing these locals in the amateur race. But uh, they were just hoping nobody noticed, but you know, maybe did it. I mean, yeah, I think they only drew a couple cars. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's uh, the number three NASCAR. Uh, It's a good find, Binzi. Thank you. Yeah, that was, uh, that's, yeah, thank Lefty for that because I wouldn't have noticed if I wasn't watching on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> if the if the DVD didn't skip and pause at that exact second. Yeah. <laughs> and in the clubhouse, I believe Lefty's called Cotton. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Sorry. He's 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 my boy Cotton. <laughs> we see uh, we see Jimmy talking to another one of the young workers there, and he's just like he's like, "Hey, you put on the hot dog suit," and the kid's like, "No way." <laughs> he's like, "This kid clearly just hates Jimmy because he's had enough of this shit." So, 
Bobby pokes his head out from the, the dumpster that he's smashing the garbage. He goes, I'll do it, Mr. Witcher. And he's like, how come you want to do everything that nobody else wants to do? And he's like, because I'm, I'm your go-to guy. He's like, maybe one day I'll have your job. That's what Jimmy's like, you after my job? Yeah. <laughs> Hides the calculator. Yeah, he tucks the calculator away. He's like, yes, he sir. he can't get one at fucking Anywhere. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so funny, too, because you see Bobby walk out into the bleachers, and he's, like, humming and singing to himself, and people are just humming, like, garbage and drinks oh, yeah. and shit at him, and, like, bones. He's like, ow, <laughs> ow. I, uh, I did want to mention, though, that uh, that kid that Jimmy was talking to first I believe his name's Billy it's not mentioned at all but the only way I found it is because I was looking through the cast this episode and it looks like there's a girl named Tara Cherendoff who is now known as Tara Strong but she is a voice actor who plays Billy and it's uncredited but this is the only other kid other than Tommy that talks in this episode so it's got to be him mm-hmm. I actually looked at her page briefly and she is a fellow Canadian Yes she is Hey and I did want to mention that it is probably only interesting to the historian but she <laughs> is also the voice actor for Riku no way! from Final Fantasy 10 <laughs> uh, Hey there's a small portion of our community that also plays Final Fantasy That is true thank you no cat podcast Yes thank you no cat <laughs> But uh, I figured you appreciate that she I does do. a lot of stuff she does a lot of just cartoon a lot of dc oh, she, marvel she had like titans you name it but, yeah, like over, but she's riku but she's riku she and, had over like 500 voice actor credits like and oh, just yeah. starting in like 89 like 10 was now. a large portion of my childhood <laughs> and adulthood yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh anyways bobby comes back to the guys uh after donning the hot dog suit and getting pelted uh, the guys are giving Boomhauer, I guess, a pep talk. Bill's just <laughs> giving him advice. Oh, he's and, so mad. And uh, Bobby comes up and interrupts Hank um, after Hank tells Boomhauer, you know, if there's four crashes, you'll still make it. Um, and Bobby asks for a little bit more advice because, you know, he's feeling quite down. And the happy tune, like you said, didn't really work. Uh, and this is where Hank gives him the advice to find what your niche is. That leads to riches. Which I agree with. I like to think that Hank has been working on this phrase, like, <laughs> since he failed so hard the last time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no doubt. Since he, like, inadvertently <laughs> encouraged his son to be more like Bill. <laughs> <laughs> the next day, um, it is now Bobby leaving for work at 5.30 a.m., you can just tell he is just heartbroken. Like his He's broken down. Yeah, he hurts. Like he hurts inside. He's dead inside. He sees his dad <laughs> sitting on his on the truck, uh, waiting for Dale and, and and Hank says, Oh, where are you going? He says, Oh, I, Jimmy says I gotta go pick the bugs out of the fryer before it gets hot. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, like I get it. Uh you 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 wanna keep that fryer sterile. But uh, it takes a long time to get hot and to get cold. So like like, yeah, you don't want to turn it off just to get a couple of bugs out. Yeah, no doubt. You'd hope they just fry out, but if they don't, but I mean, I mean it's going to take just a few minutes to skim them bugs out of the oil. Like, <laughs> you know probably... what? At the Mariners games, they put bugs in there on purpose. Really? <laughs> and I've eaten them. <laughs> the crickets. Crazy. Oh, the spicy right. crickets. Right. Oh, they're pretty good. They're really good. <laughs> it's funny. Um, like after we see Bobby leave the alley, we see Jimmy and some other scumbag outside of the office there. And wait, can... wait, wait! I just wanted to mention. That Hank is waiting for Dale to drive him to the track. Bobby is going to the track 
to work, and they don't even give him a ride. Yeah, there's clearly no uh, well, prior I mean, communication. That or maybe he wants his son to, you know, if you want to earn a buck, you got to you got to get your ass to work. I just think that's ridiculous. There's no free mm. there's no free rides, Dustin. Mm. Yes, there is. <laughs> there's no free rides. Look at Jeff Gordon. <laughs> God damn it, Jeff Gordon. <laughs> We see Jimmy and he's with us, this other like dude. He's like has like a five o'clock shadow and he has like a very familiar voice that we've heard before. I think his name is Jimbo because that's one of the names on the on the rack underneath Bobby's. Yeah, and, uh, you'd hear Tug announcing. He's like, today's attendance is sixty two thousand four hundred and twenty seven. And the dude's like, wow, that's a lot of people. They're gonna be thirsty. And Jimmy's like, you think I don't know that? You think I don't know that? <laughs> people are hot and dry. They want something cold and wet. Tommy. <laughs> like that's a lot of people um but i mean do you want to guess what like talladega peak capacity is 110,000 175,000 spectators with the main grandstand capacity currently being at about 80,000 insanity that is a lot 175,000 175,000 now i don't know if this is talladega but i've seen a uh, a graphic before of like a racetrack and they put just to show you how big it is, they put several baseball and football stadiums like inside of it. Wow. And it had at least seven different like football and baseball stadiums to could fill the length of this racetrack. Like, they're massive pieces of land. That's insane. That's a spectacle. That's something I'd like to see. One That's nothing compared to how many seats are at a Blitzball game. Oh, yeah. Well, Zanarkin's I'm... Blitzball team? Oh, the Apes? The Apes. <laughs> over a million seats, I'm sure. Seriously? I, I mean, know. I guess you got a whole sphere, so. Yeah. It's pretty nuts when you fight Anima in there. Hey, Miles, how far did you get in FF10? I don't know what you nerds are talking about. <laughs> Save or play this <laughs> To cut away from Final Fantasy and back into King of the Hill, uh, we see the guys, and they are once again huddled by the pace car, kind of looking at what could be. And out from his trailer comes the one, the only, the legendary... <laughs> The legend himself. <gasps> the Intimidator. <laughs> hey, man, old, remember that dang old ter- third turn Darlington, man? You're going to turn loose this man. Woo! Old T, what? <laughs> yeah, you mentioned Darlington. I don't know if that's uh, the same at this point, but in NASCAR today, Darlington was the last race before the playoffs, so maybe that had some interesting, like... I believe, like, once again, don't quote me on this, but I believe it was, like, one of Dale Earnhardt's, like, infamous races where he came from behind with, like, a few laps left. The third turn is where he made his big pass and won the race. That sounds famous. Where he shouldn't have. Yeah, like, that's why Boomhauer is, like, referencing it as far as I can remember. Um, I also want to point out that uh, Dale Earnhardt did win the Daytona 500 famously in February of 1998 this year. Mm. Um... It was like some ridiculous amount of times he'd competed in the Daytona 500 and never had a win. Right. So, like, for him to have a big win this time was... Because, I mean, he was a big winner in NASCAR, but never could he win the Daytona 500. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so, so... So he was a pretty big deal at this point. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr., he began racing in 1975 until his abrupt death while racing on February 18, 2001 in Daytona Beach, Florida. Cheers. Cheers to Dale. Cheers to Dale. Cheers to Dale. He was on the final lap of the Daytona 500. Earnhardt was involved in a three-car crash where he hit the wall head-on and died from a facilier skull fracture. 
His son and teammate Dale Earnhardt Jr. finished second in that race. Following his death, the head of the seatbelt company resigned and NASCAR uh, mandated that HANS device, hands device, which is a head and neck support device that Earnhardt refused to wear because he felt it was too restrictive. You know what, looking at those, those devices, they do seem pretty restrictive. Yeah, it does look like you're racing like it a pod like a racer. Belt for your head. It is like yeah, and you know what? I mean, honestly, if you save lives, it saves lives. But I mean, I can see Earnhardt was like sort of old school. So he did call it that damn noose. He said that it was it not that thing that he was discussing when he meant when he said that like it's no longer people racing out there. It's no longer the driver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He was he was totally against that stuff because he was an old school guy, and I think that's why people loved him so much. Especially you know the guys from the alley. He was you know kind of a rags to riches blue collar champion. Was he really rags to riches? Yeah, as far as I can, like he had fair like he's a lot older than Jeff Gordon. He had humble beginnings. Right, he was. His family wasn't what Jeff Gordon's was, but we watched the video um, a couple times. It's so sad of the of the crash of Dale Earnhardt Sr. dying, and it really doesn't look like much. It, I mean, also we're not NASCAR fans, so maybe like the only crashes we see are the ones on the news, the, like the big fiery well, ones. Well, that's but... the thing. It's like when you when people talk about NASCAR who don't know much about NASCAR, like fucking a certain Peggy in this episode. <laughs> people are always so like they want to see. Like even when I went to go watch NASCAR the other day, I went to stream it. And, like, the stock photo of NASCAR is, like, a car flipping in the air with, like, fire coming out of it. And, like, that's what people want to see is the crashes. And, like, I think, like, they made a smart decision in this episode to say they don't want to see that. And, like, it's, like, the biggest name in NASCAR. Like, prior to his death, Dale Earnhardt Sr. was the biggest name in NASCAR. And, like, he, like, the legend passes away in such a not, like... Like, you don't expect it's it. It's not a Michael Bay. It's not a... No, it doesn't look like you would have expected... Like, when I watched it, I was like, oh, this must not be the... This must not be the race. Like, this... Mm-hmm. That doesn't look like it. But you don't... You forget that they're going over 200 miles an hour, which is, like, mm-hmm. however many kilometers. Like, that's, like... It's fucking absurd. That's breakneck speed. That's abs- <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And, like, yeah, you, you go head on into the wall. It's... It was... It's... It's upsetting to see... Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's like, it's, I think it drives home how sad it is that it isn't fantastic. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it is just, uh, uh, it's Part tragic. Of the like, it's a horrible, yeah. And, and they did, I want to mention, I don't know why, but uh, I guess it was like late to air in the UK mm-hmm. because this episode aired in the UK two days after his death. Yeah. And they, they, they cut him out of the episode completely. Right? Yeah, yeah, which I think is the, the respect thing. I don't know that it is, but. I, like I it, don't know. It, all he says is that the rope is fuzzy and nice, but like, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, like I guess, like I mean, to forget about him entirely isn't to respect him. I don't think. True, but I just think it might be in bad taste because there is a couple of references to crashing in this well, episode. Most of them are deleted scenes. I know, but one is literally like Jeff Gordon crashing in mm-hmm. at the end, and it's just a horrifyingly sad coincidence. Yeah, and I think it was it the is, only yeah. thing that the the producers could do or think to do, but. I mean, like, he left this, like, massive legacy. And, like, my favorite thing that I read online is that, like, during the third lace, the third lap of races, fans will throw out three fingers to the oh, sky, like right? That. Like, for free. power? Yeah, for the, the number three car. Three finger salute. And maybe a Wee Matanya. Yeah. Dale here. Uh, throw we'll it table for Dale. Wimitania! Man, this rope sure is soft and pretty. I noticed it when we unloaded my car. Back to the track. 
we see Peggy and Luann in the stands cheering for their beloved Jeff Gordon. So, okay, we wave this sign around and Jeff Gordon sees it. Then he comes up to us in the stands and is so taken by our charms that he asks one of us to marry him. Well, honey, it probably won't be me. I have got a ring on my finger. Yeah, and big feet. <laughs> Fuck, Peggy sucks. Peggy does suck. <laughs> so obviously this plan is flawed. It's not going to work, and let's move on. It comes in kind of a weird order, but we get to see who won the Arlen Amateur 100. It is, in fact, Clint Radar Johnson, who we talked about in the cold open. Uh, he's voiced by Mike Judge. Now, he's the asshole cop who smashed out uh, Boomhauer's taillight there. Mm-hmm. Now, as I do with all of the new vehicles to the Arlen universe, we have another one, and it's a good one. Uh, the gearheads on IMCDB had a, a brief discussion about it, and I was able to gather that the car is believed to be a third-generation Chevy Nova, which was produced from 1968 up until 1974. Now, the consensus was that Radar's car was probably a 1970 Super Sport Edition. It boasted an optional 6.5-liter, 396-cubic-inch big block, pushing an impressive 375 horsepower and a fair price of only costing an additional $348. That was fairly impressive for with, the time. With all that under the hood, it was still not enough to beat out Boomharo and his Dodge Coronet. I did um, want to mention that while they were on the track, uh, I think it was back before Bill uh, slowed down Boomhauer. We see Boomhauer overtake a Chevy Nova with the license plate in trap. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think it also might be a good time to point out, I think we skipped the IMCDB's opinion on the pace car, which i sure is obvious if you'd like to just, just throw that out there. Yeah, so this was an obvious one. Um, the pace car was a 1996 Dodge Viper GTS, which came with an 8-liter, 487-cubic-inch V10 with 350 ho- or 450 horsepower, sorry. And which is uh, a nice little fact here is that the 1996 Viper GTS would be the pace car for the 1996 Indianapolis 500. The Indianapolis 500? Yes. So I like how they don't just pull out random cars for the sake of it. Like, everything there is, like, it has a purpose, they right? Research. Yeah. They I mean, they're... Texas, they got a no NASCAR. Mm-hmm. And, like, the Viper is arguably one of the most recognizable cars that came from the 1990s. Yeah, I'd argue that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. But we do see that Radar did win. Uh, and we do see Bobby walking around with some sodas on the uh, infield of the track. And Hank calls him over, and the guys are kind of iffy about drinking some <laughs> it's of like his Bobby hot sweat on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, Bobby, I mean, but Hank offers to pay. Uh, and that's when we find out uh, who Bobby is the go-to guy for. And that's when we really, really learn what was wrong with Jimmy. You told Bobby to listen to Jimmy Witchard. He was in my gun club. People say he fried his brain one day just staring at the sun. Of course, he couldn't have been too smart to do that in the first place. Kind of a chicken egg thing. <laughs> that may be where we've seen him before is in uh, How to Fire a Rifle Without Really Trying. He might have been in the gun club gang. Yeah. Maybe. I'm pretty sure it says it's just a voice only. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Fair enough, fair enough. I won't dig too deep it's, into it. It's funny that Dale mentions that he was part of the gun club, and we saw how hurting that gun club <laughs> was. So for him to not be a member anymore, like Hank would rather pay two bucks than be a free <laughs> member at the Army Gun Club. So Jimmy did something pretty fucking offside to not be a member anymore. <laughs> yeah, no but doubt. The worst that Dale, the worst dirt Dale has on him is that he stared into the sun. <laughs> Which would do some big eye damage before it did brain damage. I mean, yeah, but he... Of course, to stare into the sun, you don't have 
probably not very bright to yeah, begin with. Yeah, it's a bit of a chicken and egg thing. Yeah. I think it's mostly the egg. It was, the egg was dropped. <laughs> but uh, right after this a scene. bucket of paint chips. Did you eat a lot of paint chips when you were a kid? <laughs> huh? <laughs> right after this scene, it cuts to Jimmy, who is drinking a beer. He's that... a moron. <laughs> He's a fucking moron. He's talking to his beer can. You made me thirsty. I need a soda. Fuck. <laughs> uh, Beer made him thirsty, so he needs a soda, which both will not quench your thirst, Jimmy. <laughs> hey, that's not Pepsi talk. You get a soda and a water. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. it's, it's a Aquafina. Yes, that's correct. But, uh, of course, when he needs a soda, who does he go to? His go-to guy. Go-to guy. Go-to so, cross the track. Go-to here and bring me a soda. <laughs> yeah. Bobby's like, yes, Mr. Richard. And he, like, proceeds to walk towards, like, you know, the exit out of the pit. And he's just like, no, don't go that way. Come right here. Haven't you ever crossed a highway before? <laughs> yeah. Just, Just go, go in there. Ain't no cars. <laughs> ain't you never crossed the highway? Run where there ain't any cars. They're going too fast. <laughs> Do it, you, you monkey boy. I'm the boss of you. <laughs> the boss of you. Monkey, where did he come up with monkey boy? I don't know. It's... I think it's kind of like one of those dance, monkey dance, like do what I say. Like, I think that's... I don't think he's mm -hmm. bright enough for that. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I mean, somebody yeah. shouted it at him when he was in the zoo. Yeah, I think Mon Monkey Boy was the best he could conjure, but Hank, he hears that, and he is fucking livid, mm -hmm. seeing that this imbecile of a man trying to get his 12-year-old son to cross a fucking NASCAR track. Oh, well... the barrier. I mean, yeah, like, obviously, like... Hank's realizing that this man, he is a moron. Mm -hmm. Dale's right for a change. That this guy is a total fucking moron. And that he's putting Bobby's life in danger. Go to here, go to boy! I want a soda! Go to now, you! Oh. And this sparks a fiery rage in Hank, who then crosses the highway when there ain't no cars <laughs> uh, and heads over to Jimmy Wichard. But not before he causes a little bit of an upset on the track. Now, this scene, uh, there's... There, it looked like in the writer's room there was a lot of kind of humming and hawing of what they wanted to do because it seems that there's like three kind of alternate scenes that all relate to each other. And what originally happened is that Hank's on the track and he causes uh, a crash. And obviously Jeff Gordon is the one who he ironically makes well, crash. Number 24. Huh? <laughs> yeah. We yeah, can so assume it's Jeff Gordon. We're going to assume because when he crashes, he shouts, Daddy! <laughs> <laughs> But uh, in the alternate scenes, while Hank is out there, there's also a scene where Hank causes the crash and Boomhauer gets to drive the pace car. But the crash wasn't Jeff Gordon's because in the deleted scene, Boomhauer kind of pulls the pace car off to the side and like revs his engine next to Jeff Gordon, who's in the lead or sorry, the number 24 car. Uh, and baits him to pass the pace car, which gets him disqualified, therefore causing you know Dale Earnhardt to win. And as Dale Earnhardt is walking by uh, Jeff Gordon, there's a uh, fill-in line from Stephen Root, who we, we assume is Stephen Root because it's definitely not Dale Earnhardt, who says, uh, you got to learn to not fall for the bait. Yeah, don't take the bait, kid. So yeah, I, that's it. I think I have a little bit more understanding of this, um, is that I think the pace car comes out when the yellow flag is waved. I think the yellow flag is waved whenever there's a caution and the drivers are yeah. forced to slow down. Mm -hmm. So I think Hank causes and causes like the yellow flag or Bobby may cause the yellow flag to be waved, yeah. which would cause the pace car to come out. So when they keep saying that there's a crash, mm. I think they don't mean, I don't think they mean that. It's anything that disrupts the race. Uh, but, but what I'm saying is I don't think they mean the pace car crashes. I think they just mean that there's a crash. So 
Boomhauer is now in the pace car. Yeah, yeah I didn't the, say the pace the car pace crashed, did I? Doesn't crash. I no, never... you're right. But I just meant like earlier when we were talking about um, the crashes. Like... Oh, it needs to be four crashes or four obstructions or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, so okay. it's it's caution because here's the official rules for the NASCAR pace car. Um, all cars must slow down and follow the pace car. Passing is not allowed under the yellow flag. NASCAR experimented with the local yellow flag in road courses. Cautions apply to the entire circuit, including road courses. The red flag indicates that the, flag, the race has been stopped. So you obviously you cannot pass mm-hmm. anybody. Got it. Uh, not just the pace car. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, what I also wanted to mention, because there is like another alternate scene, but it has to do with Hank and Jimmy. There's actually quite a few angles yeah. of this ending yeah, here, and it's it seems like they had a lot of trouble kind of tying up the end of this episode. Exactly. I think the I think the ending kicks ass. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the one they stayed with definitely yeah. kicks ass. Yeah, there was uh, there was a couple alternates. One is just uh, instead of Hank immediately kicking the fence in. Uh, Jimmy provokes him and calls him Monkey Daddy. Monkey Daddy. And, <laughs> Which uh, is also the stinger. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and then there's another one where Hank actually jumps on the fence like a monkey would in a cage like and, and shakes the fence at him and really looking like a Monkey Daddy. Well, also... The children are and throwing. Then, yeah, from behind. Yeah. He can't get in. Well, the children throw sodas at Jimmy Witcher, making him cold and wet. It's yeah. it's that kid who refuses to wear the hot dog suit that goes, no way. And he goes, here's a drink for you, you mean whatever he calls him. I can't remember. He yeah. calls him a bastard or something. Yeah, and he, he hums a drink at him. And like then the people in the crowd start just humming shit at Jimmy. But I like that Hank busts through and ends up just really kicking his ass. He'd like three times. Yeah. Up and down the alley. Up and it's down awesome. the alley. It's funny because it's, it's, it's threatened, like almost – in every episode, <laughs> Hank's gonna kick someone's this is ass. Like the second or third ass he's kicked. It's one of the yeah, one of the few times. Well, you Peggy had to seen. kick Luan or Leanne's well, ass. Well, he kicked the ass at acupuncture. Mm-hmm. And he did shove that annoying archaeologist back into the. No, but the like hole. we're talking about literal ass. Yeah, he didn't kick his literal ass, but he he kicked his ass. He, <laughs> he did kick some ass. But uh, yeah, that brings us to the final scene of the episode. Um, it's Bobby. He's in his room, and he's reading a book, which is strange. Hey, Bobby, what you doing? Playing a video game? Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Hank, like, goes on to talk to him. He goes, I'm sorry I didn't believe you about that Witchard guy, you know. Uh, and Bobby's like, I almost died. I'd rather not talk about it. And Hank's like, well, you worked harder than any guy these, this week on on the block. So This I'll, whole month, he says. Yeah, he's like, I want to I pay you what you're worth, so I want to give you a couple hundred bucks and... Bobby's, of course, goes back to the beginning of the episode. He sort of learned the... Dad, I don't want money. I was happy before when you just bought all the stuff around here and there was no money involved. (laughs) 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 Me too, Bobby. Yeah. Fucking me too. But I like that there's no lesson really learned here. Yeah, it's funny because he's like... I think the final thing he says is just buy me a couple of pairs of short pants. We'll call it even. <laughs> like, fucking Bobby. Like, he really, really doesn't understand the value of a dollar. Like, imagine being 12 years old and your dad's like, hey, I'm going to give you a couple hundred bucks. He'd be like, fuck yeah, I want some clothes that I'm going to get anyway. He already doesn't want the BMX bike anymore. <laughs> I'd go right to Cyber City. Directly, Yo, too. Yeah, I got five Hell bucks for chicken, five bucks for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game. I'm happy. Yeah, no doubt. But, uh, Again, there's an alternate ending, or at least an extended ending. The alternate ending is more of just like an extended ending. And I guess it's like in the future, Peggy's got her photo album, and she's opening up the photo album. Oh. And it says, the front of the photo album says, Bobby's first job. 
and it's just the picture of the two men, working men, not smiling. And then it like her hand will turn the page, and like you think it's just gonna be like all these it's other like photos of Bobby working, car crashes. But all they are are just <laughs> explosive car crashes, and mm-hmm. just like was... I think the last one ends on Hank uh, up on the fence being the monkey daddy. Oh, just maybe. It was uh, it was very reminiscent of the ending to Jump and Crack Bass, where yeah. it shows all like the the quick slideshow of the Polaroids mm. that they take while they're out on the boat. So I, I'm assuming that's what they wanted, they where they wanted to go with it, but because of Dale Earnhardt's passing. They didn't want to just well, no, that's not actually had anything to do with it. Oh, really? I think well, it's no. because they cut the monkey daddy. They cut the whole thing. No, I think I think it does include the fact that they didn't want to glorify crashes in the, in NASCAR. But mm. Dale Earnhardt didn't pass away until three years later. Right. So like, Dale Earnhardt passed away in two thousand one. This was in nineteen ninety eight. Right. I think they just because it's like all the other episodes, all the other jokes about crashes in this episode that they also cut. I just think it's sort of it's not very tasteful to just promote the excitement of somebody potentially dying horrifically on television especially fox where they show a great portion of the races and like assuming like like a lot of the king of hill viewers wouldn't be would be new to nascar that i'm sure nascar and dale hernard and everyone else would be like hey like this is not how we want to gain an audience is just by the crashes. Yeah, I mean people like I mean I think it's I think it's widely accepted that people are like fuck yeah, let me see the crashes in NASCAR. But I think they all assume that the guys in the cars are safe enough that it's nothing. Like nobody wants to see anybody die. And I think again that's why Dale Earnhardt passing away kind of like really made everybody realize like this is a fucking real real fucking dangerous. And like those big crashes are big. Mm-hmm. That's right. But sounds like we're at the end of the episode, guys. Are we already there. We already, <laughs> that time just flew by. I almost missed the race. But uh, with that, with the end of the episode, brings us to our final thoughts. Who wants to kick it off? I'll give it a go here. Um, I like a lot of things about this episode, but it definitely wasn't. One of my favorites, um, especially the quality that we've seen in season two so far, it, it doesn't really stand out. That being said, I don't have any real problems with it. It was a good episode. I love uh, the sport episodes. Uh, you know, Dale Earnhardt is, uh, I didn't know anything about NASCAR, but I sure as fuck knew who Dale Earnhardt was. So having him a part of the show was a big deal, even when I was watching it for the first time as a kid. Um, Bobby episodes are always fun. His deadpan responses to everything and his, like Hank, obviously trying to hammer in another lesson into Bobby and it fails miserably but yeah I know I, I like this episode but I wasn't one of my favorites I agree with you uh, as I am our you know fresh eyes to the show uh, I think this is one of those episodes that I had seen uh, on TV at some point because it all kind of was a deja vu when I watched it like it all seemed very familiar so I didn't get that whole excitement of a new episode that I usually get when I watch this show but other than that, I do like what they uh, did with this one because I love seeing Boomhauer be cool, and I like having him as the reason this whole racetrack got introduced to the to Rainy Street, uh, and I like that. And I also like the introduction of Jimmy Wichert. I'm happy to hear that we're going to see him again. I love having people on the show that I love to hate. <laughs> uh, I know that sounds bad, but like I'm a big fan of the antagonist, and Jimmy Wichert is a guy that I have no sympathy for, and I'd like to see him getting in a lot more trouble. Mm-hmm. So for this episode, I'd give it a black number three and 500 miles around Daytona Beach. I I really like this episode. I think this is a this is probably one of my favorites of season two. Maybe um, I really like the episodes where Hank gets to try and 
have his passions like mirrored by Bobby and like his mirrored to his hopes for Bobby and they kind of both happen at the speedway. I like that. Um, I like, I like the episodes that stick with me and this one, I think, um, I've been thinking about this one all month cause like NASCAR is, I've been, I've been I'm, brushing up. I'm more interested in NASCAR than I think I've ever been. And I mean, it's not very interested, but <laughs> I'm like, I'm curious, you know, I want to know more about NASCAR here. So I don't know. I think this one is this one's sticking with me, and uh, Jimmy Wichard is great. Uh, I think I think it's yeah. I I think uh, this one hits all the hits all the boxes for me. Solid. I uh, I like this episode a lot. Well, thank you for that, guys. Uh, if there's nothing else we can add, it sounds like we are gonna. It sounds like we are gonna end this episode with a final round table. Whee! <laughs> Want to hear more Order of the Straight Arrow? Join the conversation on Twitter at Utsakothpod or follow us on Instagram at Utsakothpod or look for us on Facebook at Order of the Straight Arrow, a King of the Hill podcast. Catch new episodes every Sunday night. Please share this podcast with your friends and feel free to contact us by email at utsakothpod at gmail.com. Please, no hate mail. Hey, what's the crap for, boy? It's a good show. This is a damn good show. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, or Fox Studios. The external audio used in this podcast is not owned by the Order of the Straight Arrow or its affiliates and is presented in good faith to its copyright owners. Please don't sue us.